0: How are you? How are you doing today? I'm
1: doing well. By yourself? I'm doing
0: great. It's a pleasure to no talk big. with you. Pleasure to
1: talk to you
0: as well. Hey, listen, I've been going through the record. Wow, it sounds great. Oh, thanks, man. What a solid album! You know, as I go through it, I can't help but think that you know, there's so much of the same going on out there today, and you guys are doing something I think a little different than everybody else, but yet it's still familiar.
1: We certainly, uh, we we certainly do our own, go to our own beat of uh Beat of our own drum sometimes.
0: <laughs> That's a good thing, but isn't it? Uh, I mean, I guess depending on how you want to look at
1: it, I, <laughs> I I enjoy being able to kind of go across the page sometimes.
0: I mean, when you when you're writing music, are you looking for a specific audience to appeal to, or do you try to make it as wide as possible?
1: we really just kind of write what what we write at the time. It's you know we don't think too much of it.
0: Yeah, I, I get that. I guess let's go back to the beginning because a lot of people haven't really heard of the band yet. I mean, you're getting a lot of traction over the last few years, but how did this all come about?
1: Well, years ago, Dustin and I met um, in a guitar center as I was looking for a new guitar, and we tried to put a band together back then, but uh, unfortunately, you know, we both had our own lives going on and other situations, uh, so we kind of went our own separate ways for a little while there. And a couple years later, he me a phone call And goes Hey uh, yeah, I'm building, Trying to build Another band you want in I was like Sure Why not Let's see where This one goes And we've just Been, uh, been grinding Ever since For the last About five years now
0: Yeah I mean, t- I mean The two of you together Are the core of the group But uh, do you feel like You know Musically Were you always on the same page With each other Or did you both have Such different influences That you know You kind of work To make them Melt together For the project Or the band Oh
1: uh, yeah I think both can be true Uh, sometimes, you know. Justin and I do share a lot of uh, similar tastes in in certain music. We both enjoy the 80s and 80s hard rock and 80s uh, metal and stuff. Uh, We both are, you know, enjoy blues music from different areas. He's more of like a, you know, blues rock guy where I I was more of an old Delta blues guy. You know, and I think when we got to more of our modern tastes, I think that's where we mostly differ. but that's more of an, an approach thing, and there's there's times that we do, you know, try to blend our approaches to them, to, to songs and, and music. We certainly we try to make stuff as interesting as possible, given, given them what we like and, and what we want to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, the last year and a half has been crazy, you know, with the COVID and everything, and it's really affected, you know, I think music in a big way. <laughs> I mean, you guys were out there with foreigner, I guess, when all this was taking place, and that kind of came to a Christian halt.
1: Yeah, it certainly did. We were uh, we were sitting uh, at a buddy's house in Wisconsin after a, you know after a foreigner date and uh, waiting to get uh, waiting to get ready to go to the next foreigner date in Wisconsin, and we get the phone call that you know everything's getting canceled. You know, show's over, and uh, it was a weird thing, and so we were. You know we were being told that it was when everything was getting crazy and no one was really sure what was going on so we were hearing that oh roads are going to be closed and people are going to be you know sanctioned in places and I was like nah nah we're going home <laughs> so we got home and uh, you know we started going a little stir crazy and that's kind of what brought about the album we had so much time and we had been sitting sitting on our tails and going, going a little crazy we're like all right it's time to record it's time to finish writing and, and
0: yeah, you know when you you know you get started and they get on a tour with Fawn and start building up that traction to have it come to a halt like that It's got to be really difficult for a band because then you feel like you're starting up again But I think a lot of bands back then thought a couple of weeks maybe a month or so and things will get you know We're gonna get back to it now a year and a half later. We're still having these issues, you know with bands playing live I mean, I'm glad to see that you guys got here to New York You know this whole month you were here playing a couple of shows, which was really nice but is it, do you see it getting better now where you'd be able to get out there and start playing again, or is there still kind of a lot of restrictions in place preventing the band from over the Fed?
1: I think as as positive things have been looking there is still a little bit of a cer- uncertainty, uh, especially with you know, some of the newer news coming out that, you know, there might be more more of the uh, more of the old bad from last year coming out, so we're, we're I mean, we're always trying to get on tours and stuff, and we tried to book a couple tours with a, with a few artists, and unfortunately those tours were canceled, so there's still a lot of uncertainty. I think there's definitely a lot of improvement, but still uh, plenty of uncertainty go, to go around.
0: Yeah. You know, talking about the new record, I mean, A Mile From Home, I mean, it's almost like a who's who of guests playing with you guys on this record. Every song pretty much has somebody on there. Were these all the people that you were friendly with over the years and knew, or worked with before, or were there any people on there that you've kind of worked with for the first time?
1: Uh, some of them. So some of them are returning. Uh, Bruce played on uh, the uh, the first EP, the the last EP that we did. Um, he did he did some parts on Midnight Rider, and Joel had actually played previously on the on the EP as well, and so they reprised their roles and, and came. And, and did some songs on the new CD. Uh, so there's some new faces that we haven't, you know, gotten to personally meet yet, um, but we have the connections with them, and, and we are on, you know, friendly terms. Uh, Chris Caffrey, obviously being from TSO as well as Joel, you know, we have to connect, uh, we're able to get in contact with him. Plus our management knows, uh, knows TSO well, so it was kind of helpful with getting uh, Chris and Chloe Lowry to, to be on the record uh, with Alex. Skolnick, our management, knew him and we asked Alex if he would come and play some some lead and he actually, so we recorded the lead part which is fant- uh, fantastic, but we were also fortunate enough that when we did our album release in Long Island, Alex doesn't live too far away, he lives in New York, so we asked Alex if he would come down and play with us and he came down and we played some songs and he played Crimson Seed and it was a, it was a pretty, pretty awesome time. Um, Alex showed off some ver- versatility that I wasn't in familiar with uh brought a telly and started chicken picking and for seven boys like us that was we're grinning ear to ear hearing our our home music and uh it was a good time it was certainly a good time it is there's a lot of there's a lot of guests on here and for us a lot of times we we, you know if we write a song sometimes we'll have a sound in our head and so we will ask people to be on it just because it kind of takes the song someplace new um that you know, maybe we weren't necessarily thinking of going, but we have an idea, and we, the guests will come on, and they, they, get, they do fantastic, they're, they're professional musicians, so you know you're going to get something great with them, but they'll take it in a place that we weren't necessarily thinking of, and I love that, it makes the, each song seem a little more
0: unique to the next song. Yeah, I was just going to ask you a question similar to that. I was going to say, like, you know, when you bring somebody like Chris Caffrey in, and he has this song that you wanted to play on. Did you ever get a song back to you? Because I know a lot of this stuff is done digitally. You're always not in the same studio, or you know, where what they're doing when they record it. Do you get the song back, play to say, this is not what I expected. I mean, I really don't like this. I can't use it. Or are you just more often than you know, pleasantly surprised over what you get back?
1: We've been very fortunate. Uh, we've gotten tracks in, and they've always been they've always been really good. Um, you know, I think the hardest thing for us is, you know, sometimes it's it, making it making it fit where it needs to go. But it, you know, the tracks themselves are really good, and we've never had one come to us and been like, "Oh no, this is this is not good at all," or you know, this isn't what we're looking for. Well, we, we always just slot it in, and maybe we make a make a few adjustments around it. But it, they've always been really good.
0: Yeah, you know, I, you, earlier you mentioned like the eighties, like it was like all the music from back then kind of influenced you and. You know, it was a whole different, you know, music business in the 80s than it is today. And, uh, you know, back then, bands had to start locally, you know, earn the respect from that local crowd, going to the local clubs, playing out, and building up an audience. Today, you write a song, put it on the internet, and with the click of the mouse, it's global, and the whole world can hear it. I mean, is it still important for a band to work locally and, you know, get that hometown crowd built up behind and then spread out, or is it really all on the internet today in social media, you know, YouTube and, and stuff like that?
1: I think I think they're both very very important, uh, especially with the modern way of doing music, and especially with circumstances like like last year. So a lot of the guys that were more digital artists didn't weren't hit quite as hard um, as bands that live and live and die by the stage. So I, th- I think it's certainly important to have both. Um, certainly, if you're going to an area you've never been to before, if you have more of a digital presence, it's it's a little bit easier, you know generally people are more aware of you um but i think it is important to have a home base and or in a home base is not necessarily like just your local area but I have a couple home bases like we have a couple we've got you know our home here in, in in kentucky uh we've got a home base in in st louis we've got a home base in in long island so having a couple epicenters of, of fans and, and places that you know, you can go there and it's going to be a comfortable show and you're going to have, you know, people that you're friends with. I think those are good. I think those are definitely important to have, especially, you know, sometimes on the road you can get into a, a rut or a funk and, you know, especially as younger artists, I think having that consistency is very important because if you can have a bad show then go to one, of, if your your next show is in one of your your epicenters, one of your local areas, you play a show, your friends are going to, you know, kind of bring you up, and you're going to get into a better spirit, and, you know, emotional state is very important to being a musician, I think.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, does internet help when you, you know, when you do have your music on the internet and on social media, and you go to, say, like, you know, California, you never played before, and you're playing in front of an audience that, you know, you don't have the ability to play to all the time. Does the fact that they can get your music on the internet make it more easily for you to go there and say, well, they might be familiar with that music because they've heard it before, where you have to feel like you go there and they run over the crowd for the first time?
1: I think both. Um, certainly, especially for someone like us, right, but living in Kentucky, or if you live on, like, the far, uh, the farther east than we do, you know, if you're going to, to California, if you're going to L.A. or something like that, like... You know, if you don't have an online presence, you're going to go out there knowing that, yeah, no one here knows us. And that can can be liberating to an extent because there's no expectation. Uh, But there is a comfort level knowing that there's a possibility that, you know, you're going to go out there and people are going to know who you are. And that does kind of help feed your ego a little bit. And, uh, you know, as musicians, you probably shouldn't be egotistical, but ego is important. I think it, you know. it does make you more energetic on stage. I've noticed uh, Destin very much so. He, you know, he's very energetic on stage. He's got a bit of that that cocky swagger to him when he's on stage, and I think people like that. I, you know, in seeing someone confident in their in their space is there's something to say about it.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had that show where you go out there for the you know the play and, and you hit that first chord and you're like, this isn't going well already. Like you know, you can see in the audience's face that it's just not going to happen that night. Has that ever happened to you?
1: Uh, no, not necessarily. I think mine's more of a, especially as a singer, mine's more of a. Oh, I've got the sniffles today. This show's gonna be awful. So like, I psych myself up the whole day going into the show. Um, I'm I'm definitely my own worst critic. Uh, well, either me or my mom. <laughs> she, 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 she keeps she grounded for sure. Um, I yeah, I we've been fortunate enough that i we've never really done a show. We've, we've had split audiences before, but we've never had one where we start playing and it's like a dead audience.
0: Yeah. You know, the album's only been out, like about two weeks now, I think, a little over two weeks. I'm reading a lot of good stuff on it. I haven't seen one bad review yet. But do the reviews bother you? I mean, if you do get a bad one, do you pay any attention to them or do you don't even, does it matter to you?
1: I read them. I take them consciously. Um. You know, certain times you'll you hear some constructive criticism, but what I've noticed most of the time with a lot of negative reviews is it. it they, there's not a whole lot of substance to it. Um, generally, uh, generally, someone that doesn't care for your music and is going to be objective about it just doesn't want to take the time out to, to write a bad review. So, someone that wrote the bad review is generally not going to be objective or they're not going to be critical about it. So it. it Tends to just sound like somebody whining, and that, uh, that doesn't bother me. You know, I grew up in the South, and you know, we preach thick skin here, so I'll read them and I'll enjoy them. I watched a video uh, once of, of an off night that I had. I had uh, we did a show, and uh, I was maybe two or three days removed from losing my voice, so my voice was a little bit rough and it was a little bit scratchy, and I uh, and we. I ended up covering an ACDC song and I, uh, a guy had said, oh, you don't do that song. Your voice isn't gritty enough. And I'm just thinking in my own head, if my voice wasn't gritty enough, then it's never going to be gritty enough. But
0: <laughs> That's true. You know, people tell you just want to be mean and vicious for the sake of being mean and vicious. I mean, not everybody's going to like every band or every song that they, they come out, you know, but there's a way of saying it where it's polite, and, you know, and meaningful and constructive. And then it's just the people out there that want to be vicious and attack all the time.
1: Yeah, and I think sometimes we just get emotional attachments to to things, and it's not what it was. I'm a huge Journey fan, and I've heard, uh, you know, over the last couple years, I've heard so many people say that Arnel Pinetta is not good. And I go, he's the closest thing we've had to Steve Perry and Journey in a long time. And he sounds very, very good. I understand that some people are going to be upset that it's not the original singer, and there's many bands that have dealt with that. Um... But I think there's a difference between being objective about it and going, yeah, it's just not for me anymore, versus it's not this person, so I can't like it.
0: True. That's just the way, you know, it's kind of the world we live in today. Talking about the record, how'd you get signed to your label, the Sergeants America?
1: America? Uh, very, very much luck and timing. Uh, we played a show in in Louisville at a, at a club called the Bourbon Hall, and it's a really cool club out in Louisville if you ever get to go out there and check it out. Uh, but we we were with a headlining band for that show. and fortunately enough, uh, our manager with uh, ended up uh, before he became our manager. Our manager and and uh, members of the of the label the man was at, were at the show, and they were in Louisville, and they just happened to be walking by, and they came through and came into the show, and they saw us, and it. Uh, it wasn't our best show, but fortunately enough, they saw they saw potential on us, and they talked to us after the show, and uh, not too long, long after, they signed us, and we uh, we made our first, our first CD that year.
0: Wow. You know, in, in the past, labels were were there for support, you know, money, touring, and everything else. That doesn't really happen today, but is it still important to have a label behind you to help promote that album, to help to promote that music, or do you just kind of go on your own like a lot of bands do today?
1: No, I think it's very it's very important. Uh, If for no other reason that, you know, without our management, without our without our label, they've taught us a lot of stuff and introduced us to a lot of people. You know, certainly you need to have the skills to be able to do do it yourself. You need to understand how to be able to manage yourself on the road because a lot of these labels and a lot of these management companies are a lot smaller than they used to be. It's not you know the same giant monolith corporations that they were maybe twenty years ago. So you have to figure out how to do it on your own because they can't be there to you hold your hand the whole way but they're certainly helpful i mean they put it our management our 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 label have put us in rooms with people that have gotten us connections you know sending us to nam building our building our own brand they they certainly is very helpful in building your brand and putting you in the room with the right people and you know teaching you the way that you know being on the road you, you need to operate be efficient
0: and, and not not kill yourself or do anything stupid. Is it better to have that behind you? Because a lot of artists they try to do it all. You know, be creative on that end and the music part and then try to handle the business part. And sometimes one can take away from the other. And as an artist, you know, your music really is the most important thing. And that's what you want to get out there to people. But you also have to take care of the financial aspect of it. So is it better that way where the people look after one half of the start and then you guys do the other? I, it's certainly easier. Um, I mean, there's something, to,
1: there's something to say about people that can manage themselves and, and take care of all of it on their own, and there's benefits to it. But I think uh, the benefit of having a good management and a good uh, record label that, that will assist you through it to allow you to focus more on the music side and the performance side, I think that's certainly certainly very, very helpful.
0: Yeah. Eric, I'm not going to keep you. I appreciate you talking with me today. What a great job you guys did on A Mile From Home. I mean, it's been out a few weeks right now. Do you have any upcoming plans? I know you have some shows in September and October. Anything else lined up for the rest of the year? Is it still a work in progress? Right now it's
1: a work in progress. We've been trying to get on some tours, and unfortunately the, they've been canceled so far. So we're going to keep looking and see if we can't get any more dates. And yeah, we're going to keep going the, the way we can do. Um, and hopefully everything keeps, keeps going in a more positive trend. And, well, well, we'll keep looking Yeah, at. keep our eyes and ears open as we always do.
0: That's it. I'm glad that New York is one of your home bases because I was away when you guys played a few weeks ago here, so I can't wait for you to come back home and, uh, and play again so I can see you guys live.
1: Absolutely. We enjoy going to New York. It's probably, uh, with, with St. Louis, New York is probably, actually, even above St. Louis, New York is probably the place that we played at the most.
0: Well, I'm looking other forward than, to seeing you guys. Other than back home. All right, you take care, my friend. Have a great day.
1: You as well. Thank you so much for having
0: me on. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.